Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 428, Living the Dream. Big Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? Uh, Post Royal Ascot 2022. <laughs> we had to think about that one for a second. A little bit. Um, <laughs> it's been a long week. Yeah, no, it's going well. I mean, obviously for listeners, it's been a while since they've heard us because between various trips that we've been on, and then also we lost two episodes to some technical issues. This is the first episode that will have come out and. I think nearly a month. Are they lost in the so, cloud? They didn't even make it to the cloud. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know which technical state <laughs> we would claim that they've been lost in. Where does it get Somewhere lost if it doesn't the... make it to the cloud? <laughs> lost on the ground? <laughs> yeah, pretty Mid-air. much. Midair. <laughs> but no, yeah, it was it was a fun week. Obviously, the first time we've seen each other in person in a in since before the pandemic. But it was a it was a fun week. And now you have to deal with the usual things. We've already just spoken about it off podcast, but just the constant Instagram. Hey, Royal Ascot was a week ago. <laughs> hey, only only 50, 51 weeks to go until Royal Ascot next year. Yep. And it's obviously, it's, it's not just about the, the horse racing itself. It's just a fun trip uh, when we're, you know, in London and, and in Paris. But, but no, it's, it was good fun and, and looking forward to already counting down the days until next year even if it's a week later next next year as well yeah i mean it was a really fun trip some of the highlights for me are hitting the best over at the uh sixes cricket oh bar. fuck you <laughs> i believe i believe I, <laughs> I, was... I believe it was a 26 in one over it was like johnny barristow today uh, I mean, so for listeners, they, they, there's a, there's a bar called Sixes in in London, and it's it has cricket nets. So for those unfamiliar with cricket, kind of like batting cages with targets, and basically, though. yeah, with targets. And then you're if you're hitting the targets, you're scoring runs. It's not a great way of trying to uh, sort of replicate what it's like to play cricket. Yeah. I would say for everyone taking part, it was a very good way to see. Maybe how difficult it is, yeah, to hit a cricket ball. It was humbling for I sure. The only the only thing I didn't enjoy was I felt the release where the ball is released was really too close to where you were batting. So it was more a little bit of just kind of start to swing and see what happens versus being able to actually kind of see it coming in and track it a little bit, like I assume you would when you're actually on the pitch. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess they're trying to get the balance there, right? They're trying to replicate, they're shortening the distance to try and replicate the time. And it's an interesting discussion to have as to, even if they told you like, Hey, you actually have more time than someone would have normally. The fact that you don't have your eyes, don't have that ability to track the ball for a little bit longer. I I felt like did make it harder, more challenging. And, And like with anything, the balls coming out of those sort of virtual machines where they have the computer graphics showing like a screen trying to represent the bowler. It's just a little bit harder to kind of get into the real rhythm of exactly when the release of the ball is and stuff. So it's better than just a a bowling machine standing there and and having balls fed into it, but it's, it's not, it it was fun. It was still really fun. It, it, 
so we did Americans versus Europeans. It took the Americans several rounds to kind of figure out what the hell was going on in terms of like when to know if it was a spinner versus a fast bowler. Like it, I think it took us about six or seven overs before we realized that one bowler was starting 20 feet back and one was starting five. And then it kind of clicked like, oh, that's a spinner versus a fast bowler. <laughs> I have to say for you, Frank, as someone who watches cricket regularly, that's not a great thing to say. I can understand for the others who thought that as as the difficulty level was increasing, it was purely speed-based, which it it was in some respects. But for you, I mean... I agree, but the issue was I I wasn't paying much attention to it because we were trying to focus on so many other things that it didn't click because I wasn't watching everyone else's, like the screen. I was just watching them hit. So I didn't ever see anyone else's screen, really. So maybe with the two or three that I had, they were all fast. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't. So I don't know. But yeah, it, it that took a little while. There, there was also, I think, the first couple of attempts, people were kind of trying. Not that anyone's technique uh, for, the, the new, for the beginners was good. But for the first couple of attempts, I think people were trying to sort of mimic a cricket swing. And then after about three or four attempts just abandoned all Full attempts at looking. So whilst the end results at times might look okay, it certainly wasn't visually pleasing and in a real <laughs> cr- cricket match would not have been effective. And the racing obviously was really fun. Good to have some Pims pitchers back back in the mix. Haven't had a good pitcher of Pims in a long time. Yeah, no, it was, and we were very lucky with the weather, right? Um you know, it was it was warm, but it wasn't it wasn't too warm. We've had years in the past where it's been unbearable, and because it's just hard to get good cover over for the course of the entire day. And it was it was hot, but it wasn't it wasn't awful. Yeah. Uh, and we we missed the whole, we missed the warmest day, and we also missed the day it rained. So we were overall we were we were pretty lucky with the weather, but it was good fun. Got to see some good performances. Uh, everyone got to have a couple of winners, which is always nice. Got to experience Except that Wesley thrill, Ward. even if they did. He had no winners. Yeah. Well, he wasn't with us. <laughs> I wouldn't want him with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say that, but you managed to bet on every single one of his horses. <laughs> so I think you did want him with us. Maybe. Is that a tactic you might change for next year? No. Is that getting because, thrown out the window? No, because you know what happens? Next year is his big year. The year I abandon it is the year that he has like three winners. So I just can't. I will be more selective. I will be more selective, though. That's such like a, that's such like a, how can you be more selective, though? Because he talks up every horse he has. So how can you possibly be more selective? Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to figure that out when I get there. <laughs> I honestly, even if he had, even if every horse he sends to Alaska next season wins, you'll still be down <laughs> on betting on rule. Like, he needs to have every horse he sends to Alaska win for about the next five years. <laughs> For you to just break even on your Wesley Ward's bets at Royal Ascon. So you need to abandon that strategy. It's not working. No, it's not. But in the meantime, over these past couple of weeks, we have missed a fair amount of sport. Maybe not the most action-packed period in the sporting calendar and the well, number of topics that we probably... I was going to say, probably more so topics that we don't normally discuss. I mean, we did have the NBA championship get decided. Yeah. 
Yeah, the NBA, the, the Golden State Warriors won the NBA Finals and then somehow managed to become even more annoying by continuously. I mean, even well, no to one this respects day. them. I mean, no one respects no, they, Curry and I, Clay Thompson. No one respects I, them. Look, I get it. People doubted them. There was a moment in time where people thought, okay, maybe this is the end of the Warriors era. You know, last season when they were really, when you had, you know, there were question marks as to whether or not Clay Thompson would ever truly come back. I don't know whether or not he's actually proven that he's back. He's just played a couple of, he was okay in a couple of playoff games, but he was actually pretty awful in a couple of playoff games. Draymond Green, same idea. I mean, he was, he was, you know, not good for most of the playoffs. So I don't know which questions he feels like he's answered. Basically, it's just Steph Curry reinforcing his legacy as the greatest shooter of all time. And, you know, some of the other role players on that team kind of stepping up to, to, you know, play well enough in big moments. But the world has agreed that the Golden State Warriors are very good. Like, there's no there's no one questioning. I am, Maybe they feel they're underrated individually and collectively, but this chip on their shoulders that they have, that they feel like they got to tell us, oh, we've proven everyone wrong. Oh, let's call out all the people. I mean, literally they've listed names of people who 12 months ago didn't believe in them. It's sports media's job to basically, you know, and this is like critique as a professional. (laughs) Yeah. As a professional athlete, you got to accept in the 24 hour sports news cycle that we have and talking heads on every sports channel almost all the time someone is going to be saying yeah i don't think the Golden state warriors someone's probably saying it right now there's probably someone out there being like oh they were really good this season but i do not think they can win again next season and that's it's just the nature of the beast so to be so offended by it i think i feel like it's people embracing like everyone saw the last dance and saw how much Michael Jordan held on to these little things that motivated him, like either people doubting him or saying specific things. But that was so true to his personality that it came across as being genuine, even if it's petty. It's like the Tom Brady thing. The fact that he still holds on to the fact that he was there were six quarterbacks drafted ahead of him, and that like still fuels him. But that comes so naturally to him that it's not annoying to hear him talk about that. Whereas these people being like, Oh, let me just create. No one, you know, Steph Curry was almost never believed in. He was under recruited in college. He was, you know, not that highly thought of going into the draft. It's not like he was the number one overall pick in the draft. It's just, oh, it just drives me crazy. <laughs> well, right now they are currently the favorite to win the 2023 NBA Finals. So when they start saying no one believes and they're the odds on favorite to win, <laughs> well, not odds on, but they're. They're the number one favorite to win. Pretty early on in the season, they were the favorite to win the West. Like, like even, you know, like there wasn't, it's not as if they were rank outsiders. Like people were giving them a chance. They were outsiders last season. And guess what? They did not win. Like they're being, they're offended for what people said about them a playoff ago when they didn't win. And then now people might have changed their tune. I'll say this now. I hope Steph Curry comes after us 12 months away. There is no way in hell the Golden State Warriors win the NBA championship next season. I, it was a fluke this year, and I have no belief in it next year. No. Nah, he just chucks the ball up. Yeah. I don't think he even aims. No. Well, half the time he's not looking he's when do- the ball's landing, so I don't think he's looking when he shoots he, it. <laughs> he's due about 3,000 misses in a row. He can't keep riding this hot streak for this long. 
And then in rugby, topic we won't really go into, but in, you know, the European, all of the European leagues wrapped up. So we had the finals of all of those, which we didn't discuss. We got their Stanley Cup finals. But we watched. <laughs> we did watch. Yeah, yeah. We actually did watch, but we won't discuss. Uh, we got the Stanley Cup finals uh, wrapping up as well. So no, it's, it's maybe been, wrapping up. Yeah. Maybe yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, potentially. When you're listening to this, might already be over. Might not be, but might be. Probably is. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, actually, no, s- speaking of that, there was a um, a pretty funny article I saw in on ESPN about a better who last year he bet the winner of or sorry 2020 he bet the winner of the NBA Finals, the winner of the World Series the winner of the Stanley Cup, and the winner of the Super Bowl, along with a random UFC fight. So that was the year the Lakers won, the Dodgers won, the Lightning won, and the Bucks beat the Chiefs. He put an $8 parlay to win $22,000. Fast forward two years, he has since done it again, and this one was Georgia to win the uh, NCAA football championship, Rams to win the Super Bowl, Warriors to win the NBA championship, uh, another random UFC fight, and then the Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup. And this time it's, uh, I think it was 200 for 35,000. The interesting part about this is that he is 100% claims those were the only of those bets he put on that for that. So he did one in 2020 for all of it, and then he did one in 2022, and that was the one that is now one Colorado Avalanche game away from winning. I don't believe him. Like I don't think, <laughs> I don't think he's, <laughs> I don't think he's put like ten thousand dollars worth of bets on. I just don't believe that if that's your style of bet that you've literally just put the one on. I just don't believe him. And anyone who gambles, I think, will be on my side. Like if that's your style of bet, you've put a couple on. I still think well, that that's his. That's what he's saying. It's not his style of bet at all. He never parlays. No, I don't believe him. I don't believe. Oh, he never does it. Just happens to do it every time it wins. I don't believe him. Let's get him on. I mean, (laughs) look, again, I'm sure he's way up on this approach. And the thing is, and like more credit to him because everything he's thrown into his bets, for the most part, seem like he hasn't picked huge outsiders at any point, right? He's done a good job of kind of looking at the top three or four in the betting market in each one of those uh, sports and identifying the one that has gone on to win. So it's, so this you know, one he, he placed in early November. So at that point, you have to figure in early November, we we, Georgia we, was favored. We, but we, yeah, we don't, we, don't, we don't need to. But I'm just saying, down. you know, like the, it's, it's not as if he did it during the NBA finals or during the NFL. No, sure. You know, I like think that goes playoffs. without saying. Yeah, well, obviously, because there are sports that are decided seven months uh, yeah. apart. But, but – no, I, I, but he's he, none of the teams that he's chosen there were outside, I would imagine, the top five in their respective sports at the moment he threw them in. So it's not as if he said, I think Leicester City are going to win the Premier League. Wow, what a bet. Like he's he's looked at the top five in each of those betting markets and managed to string together the right combination. Speaking of Leicester, who is a bigger underdog win, Leicester or, or the Warriors this year? Oh, it's tough. <laughs> Super tough. tough. No one believed in either of them. <laughs> no. More people probably believed in Leicester. What he probably didn't predict was who is going to be leaving the PGA Tour. 
I think it's impossible to predict at the moment. Every day, people. I mean, obviously, it's, it's got Rory McIlroy really worked up, right? He's 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 so pulling he's pulling words out of his vocabulary that I think most people are. I wonder how many people had to look up duplicitous after he said it the other day. I think he is. I was actually mildly impressed by the fact that he knew the word and managed to use it. And that's not an insult to Rory McIlroy's intelligence because he comes across as a very smart person all the time. But it, you know it. it, it it did surprise me just the ease with which yeah. he threw that word out. Uh, but He's currently writing a 75 page dissertation on how this will affect the financial markets in East Asia. <laughs> how much do you think? What do you think? If I told you, what are the odds? Either someone told him that word. And again, this isn't supposed to be an insult on him, but like someone in the coverage of this mentioned that word to him and he made a mental note of like, that's a good word. I need to have that word in. Maybe. Or that he is kind of, like going to his thesaurus at night. Like he's he's sinking a few long putts and then he's going to his thesaurus and going, two faced. What can I what can I do there? <laughs> Backstabbers. What, what word can I come up with? Yeah, it's uh he's definitely fired up. And I, I listen, if that's what it takes to shoot some of the best rounds of golf you shot in a long time, then then power Why, to him because he's, he's he's playing pretty great right now. <laughs> well he's had a terrible day today. But yeah. Oh, has uh, he? Yeah. <laughs> of course. But he'll finish in the top <laughs> five as usual. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, yeah, since we've last covered it, we've obviously spoken about the Live Golf Tour uh, coming into it. Um, and it's, it's also hard to remember because we lost these episodes to know sort of how much we spoke about the Live Golf Tour uh, in episodes that were released at different moments in time. But it's obvious the one event has taken place. I, I, I don't think we really discussed in that time period, then obviously the fact that the, you know, the likes of uh, Bryson DeChambeau and, uh, you know, who else were the big Answer. names? Dustin Johnson, who I don't think Dustin we Johnson. Even, we didn't even speak about when he's made the switch. Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed. And then now obviously uh, the, the big name to have left since that event took place was Brooks Kepka, which in hindsight, is not surprising given the fact that his brother, who's ranked like 1100 in the world, somehow managed to make that list. And you yeah. have to think to yourself that when negotiations were taking place with Brooks Kepka, it was, hey, how about you, for no reason at all, also pay my brother a decent amount of money? Slash so caddy. Can, <laughs> yeah, so I can stop supporting him as directly <laughs> as I currently am. And then, yeah, I'll consider coming in as a package deal. I do love some of the quotes that have surfaced of what he said over the past few years about how golf is not about the money and he's already has enough money in his life that he could retire and live comfortably. And he plays golf because he wants to be the best and beat the best. And then he just turns around and sells out. I mean, whatever, I don't care. It's just, it is quite humorous and it adds a, a little wrinkle into the, who's actually the better person in the DeChambeau Brooks Kepka feud. <laughs> Yeah, and look, in a way, it it suits both of them. You know, Brooks Kepa has had a very good career in terms of winning majors, but he's pretty much only turned up for majors. His career outside of those has not been spectacular. He's a big tournament player. And so it, it, it suits him in a way to switch to a format where he can afford to be terrible a lot of the time, and he's really only there for the big purses. So it shouldn't really surprise too many people. He's also struggling with injury. And for as much as people, I think Abraham answer aside, I think for as much as people are talking about, oh, these are big names leaving the PGA Tour, 
they are mostly big names who have either are coming towards the tail end of their careers or they've had pretty rocky periods. Brooks yeah, or injuries. In, yeah, Brooks Koepka yeah. with injuries, Bryson DeChambeau with his form is just, he blows hot and cold, so, you know, and mostly cold. Uh, so, and now obviously the PGA Tour has kind of fired back. They've now created these new set of events where they're going to try and rival the Live Golf Tour in these three standalone tournaments where they'll kind of copy the format slightly where there'll be no cut and it will be for the 60 top ranked players based on the FedEx cup performance the previous season. Now the issue we have here is they've then announced that this tournament, one of these events will be taking place in the middle East, presumably in the UAE. And there's an element of hypocrisy here, whilst the money might not be as directly tied. But for all the people who've come out and said, how on earth could you take money from Saudi Arabia? And then they're going to turn around and play a really expensive tournament with, you know, a huge prize fund in the UAE, which, you know, has its own fair share of questionable human rights issues. Maybe not quite as big as Saudi Arabia, but there's a little bit of hypocrisy here, and it, it does make me uncomfortable at times. I wish the PGA Tour had almost risen above this and said, you know what, we're going to put this tournament in Australia, not in, in the Middle East. We're going to try and spread the game of golf, which would have been a good argument. We don't have any real big, you know, there's no big tournaments in Australia. This is our chance to really encourage the growth of the sport. Let's stick it there, and then we'll still have a huge prize fund, but we're actually not going to just fall into the same trap that maybe the live golf tour is after, you know, they've come out and said, look, if this is an arms race about money, we're going to lose. Yeah. The thing I'm, I'm still not clear on is apparently they were going to suspend the players, but suspend them from what? You mean the players who've taken part in the live golf tour. So they've, they've had their PGA membership uh suspended so they cannot take it in place in any pga events now but but for how long like forever for that's one un- tournament that's for a month so I when the next it's... major comes around are they going to tell dustin johnson brooks kepka and dechambeau that they can't participate well so majors are entirely separate and this is part of the issue that they have so the pga controls pga event okay. you know the, the open uh, the the masters the U.S. Open, those are completely separate entities. Those are run by their own, you know, in, in the case of uh, the Masters, it's run entirely by Augusta itself. You have the Royal and Ancient that runs the Open and then the USGA that runs the U.S. Open. So, and so far, these majors have come out and said basically like, not our problem. It's not for us to get involved in this. Love and you it. can understand from their perspective, they organize, basically they organize one tournament a year and their goal is to have the best Golf, golfers in the world turn up for that those four days so for them to weigh in heavily and say oh no what has been said like when you when the open came out and spoke about it so you have players who have exemptions so if they've previously won the tournament or based on performance and in a sense they're contractually locked into honoring those agreements but what might be an issue for some of these live golf players is if they do not, uh, the Live Golf Tour has applied for official status in in a way that like it would give players ranking points for world yeah. ranking. If they don't get that status, then for players who don't have these exemptions, they will end up missing majors because their ranking won't be high enough. So that could be an issue for some of these players. And then there was another blow today 
where the DP, DP, DPD World Golf Tour, which is the DTP World DP, Golf Tour, DPD. Wow. Basically, the European Tour. Yeah. Okay. Uh, under a, you know, as it would have been formerly known more directly, has come out and basically taken exactly the same stance as the PGA. So players have been suspended. Actually, they've kind of gone a little bit further. They find uh, players who who have a, t- a tour card with them, who then played in that tournament uh, at the Centurion, the first uh, live golf tournament. They find any player who took part in that 100,000 euros. So in a sense, they've almost taken a stronger stance. Which, which I guess would suck for, because I mean, what was the the, the smallest payout was like ninety four thousand dollars. So yeah. someone might have lost money on this, which is, <laughs> which if you've gone into it for the money grab, that has to suck a little bit. But you know, in the long run, I think they'll be okay. Here's a question, and, would, and then we discussed this in one of the episodes that didn't get released. But furthering off of that, those are the people that are really going to get screwed by the live tournament because eventually, as more people come in those players who are lower ranked and are coming from let's say the European tour and barely making it in the live tour are going to, are going to be kicked off and then they're going to have nowhere to go. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's it's an interesting tactic. I can understand for the big name players. They know that they sign up, they get their huge, huge payday anyway. So what do they really care to some, you know, like if you're Dustin Johnson, if you're Brooke Koepka, if you're getting a hundred million dollars plus just stuck in your bank account, just for signing on the dotted line to play in the tournament, you almost don't need to worry about what is the long-term future of this format. You've made your money and you can walk away feeling like you won that deal no matter what. But for some of the smaller players who maybe got signing bonuses, but for the most part are signing out for the idea of the guaranteed money week in, week out, and you're lower down the rankings. I don't know how you feel like every week when another high profile player says, you know what, I'll make the switch. It, there's a limited number of spots. They have this team format. It, it, they don't need 200 players saying they're willing to play on the Live Golf Tour. So, yeah, I mean, if you're Brooks Kepka's brother, for example, you must feel like your days are numbered in terms of how long they're going to keep you around for. Are you making enough money from this to feel as if you it was worth the risk? And then, you know, do you run the risk of then having a long-term ban from either the European Tour or the PGA Tour? When will, be, when will you be able to get your card back? I mean, it, it falls into the category. I I wouldn't do it. And I know people will be critical. I know that people are saying, why are we holding golfers to a higher standard than we hold, you know, the organizations that we use or our own governments? Like, oh, we're fine with our government selling weapons to the Saudis, but a golfer can't take money from them. Or, hey, do you know that your bank that you use does huge business in Saudi Arabia, but that doesn't mean that you don't bank with them. There's a certain moment when like the world is too complicated to be principled. Like you cannot actually live your life and as a as an active member of society if you are going to hunt down what are all the ties. Like I'm going to break ties with everything I do not fundamentally agree with. You that will be your life. You got to go off the grid. Yeah, and unfortunately. Got to Jason Bourne it. Yeah, unfortunately it's not hypocritical to just kind of say, look, I do, I'm going to try and avoid, I'm not going to directly, like I'm not going to choose right now to open a new bank account with a Russian bank, but I have to accept that some of the companies I may have either invested in or that I use or buy products from may be profiting from you know, activities in Russia. 
That's Eddie, the nature. you're about one more bank phone call away oh. from having to start banking with Russian banks. <laughs> That's probably true. You're running out of options. <laughs> no, that is true. It would probably simplify my life. Oh, wait, I can't use my card anywhere? Okay, at least I'd know that. But um, the... You know, that that bit, I don't, I think people are saying like, oh, how hypocritical are we? I, I think they are being intentionally naive as to, it's very different to literally say, pay my salary. Like those are not the same thing. And so I wouldn't be comfortable taking money directly from them. And they've openly said, right, this is part of their sports washing. They know why they're doing this. They are trying to soften their image internationally. You are you're taking part in their PR scheme. So I think that's the other element that makes it more complicated. It's not like you're going over there to build a pipeline. You're actually, you're, you're actively going there to be like, no, 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 don't look at all those human rights violations. No, 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 please don't look at the fact that we just killed another journalist. No, don't look at how we treat gay people. Focus on how far I just hit my drive. That's what I would like you to talk about right now. That would be my issue. I wouldn't do it. I don't know. Would you do it? I don't talk in hypotheticals, Eddie. So if you're going to ask me a question. <laughs> nice. 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 You could do, then you do the full Brooks cap. I get really annoyed that I've asked you the question. I mean, look, if say we have a guest we're trying to get on the podcast who, so Arlo White, who we're in, we've spoken to a bit about getting on for those unfamiliar with him. He was, uh, well, was a commentator on NBC for their Premier League coverage. He is also one of the commentators in Ted Lasso, which is why we were focusing getting on getting him on the podcast. In addition to that, he is now the like face of the live golf. I don't know that that to me is also one of those ones of like, is that almost weirder? I assume it's probably a nice payday. Saying this might not help us get him on, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Like if, if if the Live Golf Tour contacted us for some weird reason, it was like, we want you to be the official the podcast. Official podcast. <laughs> how we quickly would, how quickly would we sell out? If it's like five Here's million my question. five million each, do we do a it? year? Now signing bonus and then there's some like salary thrown in. It's five million hits your bank account. We get the email tonight. If we sign it like tomorrow, there's five million dollars or Monday morning. There's $5 million in your bank account. And then on top of that, I don't know, we're getting a couple hundred thousand a year going forward as our, as our contracts. Do you Well, do one, it? then you have, you have to hope the tour doesn't fold. Cause then, I mean, yes, you get the 5 million up front, but then you're just, cause I think the issue is, is who's hiring you after that? There's going to be a lot of PR backlash. <laughs> well, I mean, for us, that might be a great thing. We're in a position where the the additional PR coverage might not be, you know, any, you know, any press coverage is good. But I, you know, I, I still, if you're a professional golfer, I, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's worth it for Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka, who, like he said two years ago, he has a ton of money. He doesn't need money. He's not playing for money. So if you're not playing for money, why put your reputation on the line for money? Because you're not getting anything else out of it. You're not going to go play in this tournament and people are suddenly going to say, wow, Brooks Kepka, he's a much better golfer than we thought. Look who yeah. he's beating. That's amazing. No, if anything, you can almost only harm your reputation. 
they're gonna yeah. get they're gonna get no credit for winning these tournaments at the moment. But if they don't win, then they're gonna get hurt. I guess the the now if way- I'm a fringe player, if I'm a fringe player, and I don't think I have a shot to ever be in the top, I don't know, let's say twenty twenty five, and this is a pay bump of seven five hundred to a million a year to like four million a year yeah then okay that's that's different because that is life-changing but for someone who has 200 million already to get another 200 million i I, that's just hurting you i mean i think you might be overestimating what some of the players towards the lower end of the rankings are earning but i do agree with you i think it's a much more complicated equation if you're a guy who's kind of yeah i'm making tournaments but i'm not winning that much and you know when i factor in everything i kind of all my expenses like i got a nice life but it's not a crazy life and this is literally someone guaranteeing me a certain lifestyle that's great but yeah i mean i think the john rom answer of and look what a statement it is to make if you're john rom i sat down with my wife and i asked if i had an extra 400 million dollars would it change my lifestyle and we said no what a statement I mean, if you ever, <laughs> if you ever want to have like a, a flex in a press conference, that's as good as it gets. Just, I mean, look, an extra four hundred million. Would it be nice? Would it change anything for me? No. I mean, that's. But at the same time, you understand what he's saying. He probably owns kind of all the houses he probably needs to own. He's set for life, as he said. He could retire tomorrow and know that he has enough money in the bank account and in his investments, and also the capacity to keep earning money. Like we're pretending as if when these golfers, if you're a high-profile golfer, you know you have a media job lined up. You know you can become a course designer. You know that there's the after-dinner speaking that you can do. You know, like there are ways to continue to make a lot of money pretty easily. But yeah, I I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I, in some ways, the closest would be like, do you think Steph Curry would leave the NBA if the Harlem Globetrotters offered him $100 million a year to just play the Washington Generals week in, week out? And they were tied to, to fishy, let's even, controversial let, governments? Let's throw out the, the ties. Just would, I don't think he'd do it. I think he'd say, no, I want to keep playing no. in the best league. I want to keep proving myself. I want to keep testing myself. I care about my legacy. I don't care that I'm going to make way more money than I'm currently making, that it's maybe an easier life, whatever it is. I think he would say, no, I do this for, you know, I think most people get into and and they can lose sight of it over the course, right? But I think the players who are genuinely saying, like the Rory McIlroy approach, you didn't become a professional golfer because you wanted to make money. At some moment in time, you probably realize that you could make a lot of money and wow, won't this be amazing? But you did it because when you were a little kid, you watched people play professional golf and you wanted to be putting on the green jacket or you wanted to be going to the open and winning it or you wanted to be saying, I'm one of the best golfers in the world. And by competing elsewhere, you're, you're missing out on all that just to have the money. Or, and or there are some people like Happy Gilmore who would say, gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> And just happy, trying to save grandma. Just trying to save grandma. Happy Gilmore got into it for the money. We, we would be certain Happy Gilmore would be playing on the Live Golf Tour. There's absolutely. 100%. There's no. He'd be the face. He'd be the face of the Live Golf Tour. Shooter McGavin would be criticizing him in the press. Shooter McGavin would be trying to uphold the, you know, the. This the is a great Happy Gilmore, too, right here. Yeah, I don't know if 
Yeah, it'd be an interesting move from Adam Sandler. I don't know if he wants to destroy the reputation of Happy Gilmore in the process. But yeah, it's it's uh, undoubtedly we know where Happy Gilmore would be. And I think we know where Shooter McGavin would be. Even though Shooter McGavin is the bad guy, I think we feel like I think he would be sticking with the PGA. Yeah, easier for him to win another gold jacket. I guess so, yeah. Actually, I should correct myself. Win his first gold jacket because he's as of the end of Happy Gilmore one, he never won one. So, oh, is that true? He's he never won. He just it? stole it. Yeah, okay. he had never. Don't you remember when they circle around and he's like, "Oh, what's this jacket for? You get it when you win." Blah blah blah. And he's like, "Oh, where's yours?" He's like, "Oh, f- funny guy, funny guy." Oh yeah. <laughs> the other other golf news was Matthew Fitzpatrick winning the U.S. Open. I guess if we're going to talk about what's been going on in the world of golf, uh, you know, it was. Nice to see him. He's one of those players who's kind of been in and around. He'd never won on the PGA, never won. In, only other time, you know, I watched this um, video of him today. For a long time in his career, he individually tracked like all of his shots. He would mark them all on. I mean, and it's he insane. still does. He does, but on the same level of detail. He's like given up. On he was explaining like he's he's given up on some of the elements that he was like when he was younger he was putting in information like he was putting like the compass on and stuff like that and, and kind of like different and he's given up on some of those elements but he he was able to go back and look at his scorecard and and kind of see exactly what he had done well and where he wanted to be I thought it was fascinating to see but really nice I thought it was it was a nice representation in this argument of like why wouldn't you take the money to see how much it meant to him and how much he has enjoyed winning the U S open and to see his caddy as well, who has been a caddy professional caddy for 40 years and to see how much he enjoyed that moment and the satisfaction that he got out of it. You know, that's, that's, you see in that what the money kind of can't buy you is just that moment. And he said it subsequently Yes, he's won things before, but this is now, this is like the thing they can't take away from him. It was interesting. I heard him interviewed where he's like, yeah, previous tournaments he's won. You feel really good in the moment, but then two or three days later, it's kind of worn off. Whereas this, it's just not going away. He just knows for the rest of his life, he's a U.S. Open winner. He's a, he's a major winner. And then that's just, that's with him forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was nice. And then I guess on the other side, you know, you're starting to write the story of poor Will Zalatoris, who now was second in the Masters in 2021, second, tied for second, losing in a playoff in the U.S. Open in 2022, and now second, missing a putt to to force a playoff in the PGA Championship. So uh, a player who's risen up pretty quickly in the past, what, two, three years, um, but unfortunately has not been able to to get a master or a major victory yet and it's one of those things where who knows what happens in the future and you know not that you want that to happen but say some injury happens and he never fully recovers you look back on that basically one year span where you had three solid chances to win a major and you just couldn't get any of them I don't even think it's injuries I think even if you're a really good player at some moment in time you need to do the calculation how many putts will I have to win a major? And even if you're Tiger Woods, what is it? 40? You know what I mean? Like, so if you're Salatoris, not that he's ne- not necessarily all of these have been putts to win, but they've been 
putts to keep him in there or putts that could have won it. You know, when you're getting to three already, there's got to be that moment in the back of your mind that goes, I'm not. And he may go on to win three or four of them. Who knows? But there has to be that thought in your mind. Like, I'm not going to get that many opportunities. No matter how good I am, I'm not going to have, you know, another 30 chances. I'm not going to be on the 18th of a major with a chance to win that consistently. So to have three opportunities slip by as wonderful as they were and as much as in particular the first time around it kind of came out of nowhere you don't Lost have by one an, stroke in that one too yeah you don't have an unlimited number of chances even if you're really really good and you can see that from the number of really good players who ne- never even win one or Sergio Garcia who had to hang around forever to win one eventually you know like you can be really good and really successful and just never get the the really big win you know so yeah, it's got to be, I'm sure he's encouraged, but at the same time, it's got to be, there's got to be moments there of a little bit of self-doubt, even if you really believe in yourself. And just to bring it full circle, I mean, look how far, look how far along he's come since being Happy Gilmore's caddy back in the day at the Waterbury Open. <laughs> <laughs> now, completely switching topics. Obviously, our American football coverage will ramp up over the coming weeks and months, but I guess the, t- the one of the sticking in the, the controversial category, I guess we've got a couple of somewhat controversial bits of news from American football. But the less serious one was the fact that a, a couple of days ago, Ohio State received a trademark oh, for the damn. word. I, gonna, I guess we have to say it the way that they would intend it to be said, which is the... Which Not I don't the. get because it's the. Yeah, but <laughs> Wouldn't it's the. the be spelled differently. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Un- I don't understand how this works. I don't, like I don't. It's 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 so out there. I can understand. So it's very. It's only ahead. a trademark for any apparel on it that has the as the main thing of the apparel. That's like what it's actually trademarked for. Yeah, but so f- for those. You know, if you even if you don't watch college football, but you watch the NFL, you'll have definitely seen players when they do the intro when they say the college that they went to. You will see some of them do the Ohio State University. You know, you, you'll, you'll or see the. yes, <laughs> you see or both. The, you see both, but you de- you definitely see one player a week, two players a week who who really kind of go hard on that element of it. I get what you're saying. I still don't understand if Alabama just releases a, a t-shirt that says like the Alabama football program is Ohio state going to litigate, you know what I mean? Like how far are they willing to push this to try and protect the word the, I don't know. And what's interesting is a lot of people don't realize there are a lot of universities that actually start with the, so Penn state is the Pennsylvania state university. So there are numerous colleges that do this. I, not anymore, I Frank. I guess not. Anymore. <laughs> Tossed out. Gone. Yeah, it was I mean, very strange. The Giants should do the same, right? Because they're the only team that really gets, like, they go heavy on, like, the New York football Giants when you get the people who really go for that. No, they should they, trademark football. <laughs> they should trademark football. <laughs> really screw over Washington. <laughs> not anymore. They're the commanders. No, but... but. But yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't understand it. It's such a weird move. But hey, look, 
probably not the best moment in time to be talking about the U.S. Uh, judicial system. <laughs> I think we could all be opening it. Well, we can move on from controversial court decisions in college to to Sean Watson and his never-ending controversy, but his decision to settle out of court with, what is it, 20 of the 24 women who brought yep. civil cases against him. With the other four going forward to try to and bring it to trial. Yeah. To attempt w- to bring it to trial. Which massively simplifies his life because, I mean, obviously, if he'd been dealing with 24 different cases, you would have been talking about years of litigation, also trying to fit those in in moments in time when he could actually have them, you know, if kind of off seasons to deal with them. Feasible for him to actually handle the remainder of this somewhat smoothly. From all reports that have come out, he could have settled out of court with all of these people a while ago and chose not to. Every time a new sort of wrinkle of this story comes to light, he just looks worse and worse. Like it's unbelievable. It's rare that you're in a situation where it's just like, oh, every little bit of new information makes him look horrible. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I, you know, I have no training in the judicial system or anything of that nature, but it's such a weird thing to me now that he's settled the assumption, right, is that he is admitting some culpability to what he did. But technically, right, when you settle, it's that nothing is said. Yeah, so this is a civil case. So he's not he's not accepting. I think I think people would there would be a big backlash within the legal community as someone who does have some legal. Training. I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> I think there would be a big backlash to someone thinking that settling is an admission of guilt. Like the whole process of that at times is yeah. just to, uh, but look, I in can't. a way, isn't, isn't it kind of, <laughs> I mean, I get, I, I understand part of it is maybe he doesn't want to just deal with this anymore and it would cost him more time and money than what it's worth to prove his innocence. But at the same time, when you're facing 24 suits and your reputation is on the line, if it really mattered, wouldn't you fight it? You know what I mean? That's kind of that. That's when you see that. That's kind of what I think, and I think that's what a lot of people think. And now I'm not saying maybe he wasn't a hundred percent guilty of everything that's been said, and that's why you can't make those assumptions. But I feel as if you kind of have to assume something in there was true. <laughs> so I think this is it's one of those things you have to almost judge on a case by case basis. I think my opinion of that is is tainted by the fact that I think he's guilty. So just because it seems there's a lot of smoke for there to be no fire, and the more and more information that came out from each of the, each of his accusers, it just seemed insane. Like the number, the fact that he was going through nearly, you know, whatever it was, four masseuse a, a month over a period of seventeen months, like. It, where he was finding them, like every every element of it was so weird. The fact that he sent them text messages apologizing, saying, didn't mean to make you uncomfortable. You know, like all of the information, the undisputable, indisputable information that came to light made him look guilty. And again, it's 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 unfair because being tried in the port of you know, the court of public opinion, and this is the issue. I mean, this is the thing that's kind of sucks sometimes about the if you're a celebrity with the way 
the judicial system works is people make their mind up about you before the case even takes place. And then um, the kind of verdict probably won't even impact. And, and if you were a celebrity, I think that's probably the thing he would be. Imagine he is totally innocent. He'd probably be, if you had an honest opinion with people around you, with your legal team, everyone, someone might say to you, like, look, Deshaun, you can win all of these cases. Not going to change what people think about you. The people that think you're guilty are going to think you're guilty. Like, it's not going to matter. You could wipe the floor in all of these cases. They could get thrown out on day one. In, it could, people are just going to still think that, oh, okay, because he's a football player, because he has an expensive legal team, because of this, that, and the other. So why don't we just save ourselves some time, yeah. some energy, some money, just settle and move on with your life as much as it sucks. So Yeah, maybe. It's it's a lose lose situation once you've had those that level of accusation made against you as a celebrity. But so here you know. here's here's my follow up question now, now that you are a man of the judicial system. Now that these have settled, the NFL has said it's still going forward with their own investigation upon which they'll make a determination of if he'll receive a suspension and at what length the suspension will be. Are they still now able to investigate and talk to these women or have they probably signed NDAs and can never discuss the incident again? It's an interesting question. I mean, they won't be able to publicly discuss them. That's for sure. Um, I guess, you know, this is a, these were specifically civil suits. So, I mean, here's the thing is they'll have their depositions. I don't think the NFL will necessarily need to be speaking to them on a one-on-one basis because you know that there are these depositions out there and they'll have pretty much all the accounts that they need from from each of these women. But, you know, because him settling in a civil suit doesn't mean that he's going to avoid criminal prosecution. You know, yeah. this is, they're two entirely separate matters as it it looks as if he won't face any criminal prosecution because he has done, you know, he's had the two grand juries in which um, he's, you know, won both of those. So it looks like criminal prosecution is unlikely anyway. But yeah, I, I assume that they can't now go and speak to the NFL, I would guess. Um, but I don't think the NFL would need them to. I think they'll have every, all of yeah. the... And, and the NFL has said, right, this has zero impact on this. I think he's probably facing... I'd be amazed if he doesn't get suspended for a year. I mean, that's the, I was going to say, that's the, the rumors circulating are a one-year suspension, which are so interesting for what that <laughs> implies for the Cleveland Browns in one that they haven't gotten rid of Mayfield yet, but whether Mayfield would then turn around and say, oh yeah, sure, you made a terrible decision and said F you to me, and now I'll cover your ass and play. I, I don't see it. Um, I think but he, the other interesting thing ha- is... I think what? he has to. Where else is he going? I think he has to come but out. I, I think, I think he has to. I think he wants to rub their faces in it every time. Like I think he then has to become. I mean, he's always been a good leader for them, right? And and a good image for them as a member of their team. So there's a huge contrast there between him and and obviously the person he's competing with for this job. Do you I think, think he, he pulls to, it that I do it for the players and not the organization or the fans and not the organization? I'm doing this for the t- I'm doing this for the city of Cleveland, not the organization and, and his teammates. I think I think he'd be able to say like, "Look, we built a real team." 
<laughs> yeah, not Deshaun. I think he would say, you know, like we build a real team and I kind of want to finish. But I mean, re- reality is I just don't know where else he's going. So if you're again, if you're him, you have to then have that private conversation of like, I'm sure you'd love to say fuck you to these guys and walk away. But the reality is the Baker Mayfield market might not be very hot right now. And the best way for you to get an NFL job beyond this season is for you to go out on a pretty good Cleveland Browns team and really play well. And yes, you got to swallow a little bit of your pride because they chose someone else over you. And, you know, it's not ideal, but you're going to go and rub their faces in it and really show them what they should have had. And yeah, if you get injured, you're not playing through that injury again, like that bit's going to get shut down. But if you want to stay, uh, you know, if you want to be an NFL starting quarterback going forward, you probably need to take this opportunity. Like there just aren't enough jobs. I mean, there's rumors, right, that the Seattle Seahawks are seriously interested in him. But aside from that, who's coming for him? And now the issue is if he does get suspended for a year, then the Cleveland Browns are going to want more for him right? Like they're not going to just chuck Baker Baker Mayfield away. So as the market is cooling on Baker Mayfield, in some ways his actual, you know, value is increasing day by day. So it's not a great position to be in if you're him. I think you just got to suck it up and it sucks, but you got to go out there and play and try and prove a point on the field. And then, yeah, maybe try and, you know, rub their noses in it week in, week out. But what else can you do? The the other interesting aspect is uh, if he is suspended for the year, his contract will not kick in until the following year. So right now, Watson uh, would be a $10 million hit to the salary cap this year. And then I believe it's 50 or $55 million year two. So if that got pushed back, that would mean that this year they'd be saving $10 million, but then that next year they'd be saving $45 million. So there is a chance that if he is suspended – they might load up that team next year with the uh, extra $45 million they're getting um, for like a one-year run in 2024. <laughs> yeah. I, look, it's not – they've made a mess, and it's a shame because they were, they were a team that was so easy to like, and now they have made themselves so difficult to like. So what else is there from the, the world of sport at the moment or elsewhere? I don't know. I don't have much else. I mean, it's been a just trying to get back into the swing of things and get rid of some jet lag. So I haven't been too in tune with my usual BuzzFeed articles. I haven't haven't perused the BuzzFeed. I, I guess worth saying, right? Tennis. We've got Wimbledon coming up next week. Um, a sport that also hasn't avoided any controversy over the past few weeks. I, I don't know if you saw, but. Uh, there's been some really positive reports about Rafael Ooh. Nadal's movement that a few players who've had practice rounds with him have said looks exactly like the normal Rafa. So that could be interesting. But uh, one of those... Must have doubled up on the painkiller <laughs> injections. <laughs> one of those crazy stories. You know, like sometimes you see these stats. Obviously, um, Roger Federer and Venus Williams will both be missing from Wimbledon this year which means it is the first time in 26 years that neither Venus Williams or Roger Federer are taking part in Wimbledon. It's like one of those wow kind of things that it's you... a quarter of a century. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's And, and obviously Serena is back, uh, which has surprised a few people. She's playing in Eastbourne at the moment. Uh, has looked good at 
there warming up for Wimbledon and she got a, a wild card offer to take part in Wimbledon itself. So we'll get the added drama of Serena Williams taking part. But uh should be interesting. So she'll be unseated. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, the, the big talking point right on the women's side is, is just Serena Tech. And if she can keep her remarkable run of victories yeah. going. Will she lose? She's six to four. Yeah. What do you think? A little short? I don't think so. I mean, you're talking about someone who's won, you know, whatever it is, there are 40 matches in a row, won every tournament she's played in this season. And there's not a lot of strength and depth on the women's side at the moment. So I, I don't know. I think two weeks from now, we could be saying, wasn't it crazy that Swiatek was six to four? Like, what, what did you need to see from her? to start putting her in that kind of even money odds on category. But at some point she's got to lose. Or does she? Oh yeah. She's not going to win a thousand matches in a row. But <laughs> be an interesting one. I'm a big fan of uh, Chuck Klosterman, the author. And he has these like provocative questions you can buy. That one of the questions he has, they're, they're, they're very good. Like if you're having a dinner party or a party, you kind of pull them out and they're just, they make you kind of think about different topics. It's a way, good way to get discussions going. One of the questions I, I always liked is, I'm going to mangle this slightly, but it's something like imagine you get to the age of 70 and then you stop aging and you kind of just, you're, you're sort of frozen in a healthy state of a 70 year old. How long would you have to go in that state before you started to consider that you might be immortal. I think you've said this before on I might the have podcast. Done. There's a good chance, but, but I mean, I, I've definitely said it to you off podcast. Cause it's, I, I do find it's always an interesting discussion because people's answers range wildly. Some people go really early. They're like 90, which is insane. It's like, wait, so you're just a healthy 90 year old. You're going to be out there proclaiming guys. I'm, in, I'm immortal. <laughs> like, but is so are things happening to you like do you get struck by a car and no, you don't I, even get injured there's nothing that extreme because that would you're not you're not like in uh you're not bruce it's not like you're unbreakable not i'm not bruce you're willis not, you're, yeah you're not you're not going through a series of <laughs> i'm not in a church no and you don't have crash. some super villain out there intentionally creating disasters to try and find you just, there's not that <laughs> element to it but it is just a case of you know, maybe you're getting a cold, let's say, but you're never getting seriously sick. And you're definitely not feeling any sort of your body feels exactly the same. There's no deterioration from you from a physical standpoint. You look the same. So when you're 90, you look exactly like you looked when you're 70. And you had no medical issues. Like, again, let's factor in, maybe you can get a cold or a flu, but like nothing serious. And, uh, you know, kind of at what point yeah. then would you start to consider? I think it would, I think you'd have to get to like 130. And then I might consider it. If I'd gone 60 years without aging, I think I'd start to feel like, wow, this is... And, and you've broken then the world record of, you know, the oldest recorded person and stuff. And I would say 50 is a lot. I, you know what? I, I can even... If you got to 100 and you looked exactly like you did at 70 and you felt exactly like you did at 70, knowing how sharp the drop-off drop is from someone being 70 to someone being 100... You really have to start questioning it. But then sometimes it's not. I've seen a hundred year old people who are super sharp and can get around. Like I've I've seen them. 
but they don't look like they're 70, Eddie. You take this. I, I you know where I, I know where I disagree. They look with like you. they were shoeless Joe Jackson's baseball glove. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where I disagree with you, I watched I've watched a series of different YouTube videos about uh, it's like with World War II veterans, and one of them is a guy, and he looks like sixty years old. It's insane, and I think he's eighty. I think he's ninety, but. He looks, you see him move because the kind of the way it gets filmed, he moves around his house to show things. He moves like a, like a 60 year old. And I also think the big giveaway, the biggest one is the voice. Because even for people who are, you know, still moving really well, you kind of start to get a little bit of a frailty in your voice. Even if you keep it, there's still like, you can tell that you just got an old person's voice at a certain moment in time. And if you listen to him speak, you know, I'm like, oh, that's the voice of a 60 year old, man. Like there's no, there's no real aging in there. You can tell it's not a like a 30 year old's voice. There's a gruffness to it that comes with age, but there's no weakness in it. But now I know, I, I know no one listening will really understand Eddie, but I'll follow this question up with how many more pictures of the old Eric Schultz would you have to see before you realize Eric was a time traveler? <laughs> <laughs> um, one more. Yeah, I knew I'd get you on that one. <laughs> yeah, not many. But for for those, hey, look, this is a great way for us to plug it. For those of us, most of you will be obviously unfamiliar with who Eric Schultz is. We'll put up a side by side. We once we found this picture of an old man in Ukraine. This was a while ago, though. This, we, this is about <laughs> what a weird thing to say. It's like about ten years we ago. Found a picture. Just like, I don't know how we found I was, it. I was, I was walking down the street, and this picture just fluttered in the wind, and I picked it up. I don't know up. how we found. I don't know. I it was in a National it. Geographic article about it's ten years old, ago. It's an old man holding flowers, <laughs> and it looks exactly like a friend of ours, but aged an extra forty years. But I mean, identical. Like it's unbelievable. It looks like you stuck him into one of those those like face morphing apps like i would 100 percent believe it if you just said if they, oh look if they had said if the article if the article was this is not real pictures they are random people we have selected that we face age then i would believe it yeah yeah and and if and if then under the article if it said this is eric schultz you know like Kovoff waiting for his wife at home i'm like okay that's him but if you're not following us on Instagram, search for the Big Chill Podcast on Instagram. If you're not following us on Twitter, do the same. Or on YouTube, I will put up a side-by-side of Eric as a now man in his mid-40s and this picture of a man in his, I think, mid-70s or 80s. And it is like one of those things when people find those pictures and they're like, look, this is Nicolas Cage in the as Civil War. As a vampire. War. Yeah. yeah. This is... This is this is along those lines. It's just that Eric happens not to be famous. If Eric, if Eric were famous, people would be losing their minds over this on the internet on a daily basis. Absolutely. So as a final question, we lost our Ozark wrap up, by the way, we might have to, we might have to redo our Ozark oh, breakdown at some point. I don't know if I could do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I put so much effort into that. Have you watched, have you finished Obi-Wan, which is now wrapped up? We have not actually even started Obi-Wan yet. I might say, don't bother. I've heard. I I haven't, all I've literally seen are headlines 
of people not not enjoying the finale to say the least. I I mean I'll watch it. Listen, I have to watch it. So, I'll watch Spe- it. Speaking of two, the inconsistencies in aging. This is the one comment I will make. So you and McGregor in that I mean, he looks like you and McGregor now, right? They haven't aged him really to De-aged play Obi-Wan. Him. No, or they need to age him. Okay. So if you see because you're, well, you're comparing it to, for me, but okay. Well, no, because I mean, not really. So it's set in it's so you have Princess Leia in it. I looked this up because I was watching this and it was troubling me. So Princess Leia in this Obi-Wan is 10 years old. They say it repeatedly in A New Hope. She is 19. She's, so there's a nine year gap between when this TV series is set and when the episode four, the first ever Star Wars movie is supposed to have taken place in those nine years. Obi-Wan goes from looking like this middle-aged Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness. <laughs> that is a rough nine years. Talk about not knowing you're immortal or not. <laughs> oh, he was in no doubt. It might, in some ways, it might change my whole interpretation. Like when he lets Darth Vader kill him, he might just be like, guys, at best I got another, I got another seven days left. Look at how I'm aging. It's <laughs> Uh, he's Benjamin Button in reverse. I mean, they need to. They need to actually almost go. I need to have. They need to re-edit the whole Star Wars, the first three, or like Episode Four, Five, Six, and I need to see everyone like meeting Obi Wan. I mean, Obi Wan, man, you have <laughs> aged horribly. <laughs> Obi Wan, what the hell happened to you? Just like Obi Wan, you're our only hope. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Obi-Wan, you look terrible. We've got no hope. <laughs> no. They're going to have to change it to a no hope. <laughs> no. I mean, that's... It's it's unbelievable when you think... And again, Alec Guinness did not look bad for his age, but he doesn't look... there. The nine-year gap does not look right. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense then. So that I'll have to look out for that. I, so I have not watched that, but what I, had, what I did watch, Eddie was four movies on the plane ride back from Paris to LAX, which is an 11 and a half hour flight. That still left me with about another hour and a half, two hours of time to kill. So I watched, um, I believe it was Chaos Walking, which is the Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley one where all men's thoughts float in the air and you can hear it with them. Not good. Uh, I watched the new Scream, Scream 5, but just also called Scream. And it was like a meta analysis of a meta analysis of Scream. It was like meta on meta. It, it, and apparently people liked it. I mean, it had pretty decent ratings. It's like a 70, 80 on Rotten Tomatoes. It was not good. There were some parts in that that made absolutely no sense. Like the one is, I'm, I'm going to spoil it a little, but not too much. Someone's in a hospital and there's an accident outside, uh, like five miles from the hospital. And every police officer in town, including the ones that were watching the person in the hospital, go to this accident, leaving the person in the hospital vulnerable for an attack. They then go to try and rescue her. And not only are there no cops in the hospital, there's now no one in the hospital. There's no doctors. There's no nurses. There's no staff. It's just like an empty hospital with one person in a bed. 
I, I feel like this happens a lot in TV shows and movies, though. So. I, I know, like, but it just like even at this point, I I get it back in the day, but with all the criticisms for movies that there are now, this is something that still can't fly. You can't give something a rating of eighty on Rotten Tomatoes and have a scene where four hundred people in a hospital disappear. <laughs> so, Scream Five, not very good. Um, I then watched Belfast, which was. Supposed to be. I've not seen it, but everyone gives that rave reviews. It was good. It's. It doesn't it's seem different. like a plane movie. It's uh, at some point you kind of have to mix it up. Um, it, it, it was good. It's when you, I think it's better when you kind of read where the story came from and how it came to be. Uh, obviously, it's loosely based off of the life of the person who wrote and directed it, who was a young kid living in Belfast at the time, and his family had to move out. And, uh, you know, during during everything that was going on, so you appreciate it. The, I think the, a lot more the troubles, the troubles, yeah, the troubles, yeah. So I think you appreciate it a lot more when you kind of know some of that backstory. It was very well done, very good. Um, and then I watched Dune. That is not, a, I don't think, a movie to watch on a plane, considering the how visual it is. Um, it was very good, but from someone who has never read the books. I have to say, I have no fucking clue what's going on. <laughs> I I was never a Dune person. I feel like there was a period when I was maybe like 11 or 12 when people started to either get into the, the Dune, the books, or into the original movie. Like there was a definite period I can remember in my childhood where it was very briefly cool to kind of be into Dune. And I never had any interest in it. I'm not a, I'm not a sci-fi fantasy person in any sense so that wasn't it just didn't interest me but i do i've seen the new dune it's fine yeah it's cool it's good it's i mean the visual effects are stunning it's it's really neat i guess is a good way to put it but for me i don't think i'm appreciating it because i really don't get it like i get it like I, you know what yeah. i mean but at the same time i i think there's a lot more to it that i'm not reading into it that someone who's like you said seen the books seen the movies is oh my God, that's so cool how they did this or how they incorporated this. And I don't know. No, a hundred percent. And and sometimes, right, that's the calculation you have to make is, was this movie made for me? And a lot of times the answer is no. And then people are being unfairly critical of it. But And if anyone has any recommendations, I mean, I, in two weeks, I have another two nine-hour flights to kill. So I'm, I'm open. Well, can I not recommend something to you? What? I watched the the Adam. Speaking of Adam Sandler, I watched that Netflix, the new Netflix movie he has out, Hustle. You didn't like about, it? Oh, garbage! <laughs> if, if I could vote to take it off of my Netflix, I would do it. If I could what about somehow? If I could somehow physically burn it, which is you know, I would absolutely do it. What a waste of time! So I still haven't even seen Uncut Gems. Marginally better. Gets way too people love gets, uncut gems it gets way too much credit than it deserves okay uncut gems bothers me i, I kind of liked the premise of uncut gems it bothered me a little bit because again as someone familiar with placing bets the bets that he's in placing are insane like no one is taking he's like <laughs> placing like i think kevin garnett's gonna get 26.7 rebounds 12 assists you know it's like dude no one's taking this bet like yeah. no one, you're not turning up whether it's a, a like online or whether it's a bookie down on the corner of your street. No one's taking your insane bet, but 
uh, that bit bothered me a little bit. But no, Uncut Gems is at least watchable. Hustle is just, it's garbage. And there's a it new... Was ba- okay. It's, it's, I can get why he did it. A really cool opportunity for Adam Sandler to just hang out with NBA players for a while. Don't blame him. I would have done it too. And he, he's got this massive Netflix deal, right? So at some point, he's just going to make movies. But another thing I don't need to see... Adam Sandler is clearly a pretty good basketball player. When you do see the videos of him playing pickup basketball, like he is a decent player. Although in the promotion of this video, the number of times I get an Instagram video, which is of Adam Sandler, like tossing an alley-oop to an NBA player and be like, oh, Adam Sandler with a sick pass for tossing an (laughs) alley-oop. I can get that throwing an alley-oop mid game takes skill. Like to see the opportunity to get the timing right. If I'm just watching a six foot eight guy like run unguarded towards a basket, I'm just going, whoop. Can you're basically asking me, can I throw a basketball between the heights of, you know, sort of like eight feet and 12 feet at a relatively consistent speed? And if you can't do that, you're terrible at sports. But people are just like, oh, Adam Sandler alley oop. Like, <laughs> give me a break. Yeah, I mean, I have heard he actually is really good at basketball. That's uh, when I was listening when to people him. who made uncut gems. They said he would play; they would play pickup games all the time in between, uh, you know, like scenes and stuff. He plays a lot. No, you see a lot of videos because he openly speaks about the fact that he just goes and joins pickup games. Like I saw an interview with him where he's like, "Yeah, I just go and see a court, and I just go and join." And they're like, "What's that like?" And he's like, "Well." I kind of walk up and say, hey, I'm on next. And then they realize I'm Adam Sandler. And then I usually get to play straight away because they want to play with Adam Sandler. But like, he's good. You watch him play, especially for someone of his age. Like you can tell he's a, he's a pretty skillful basketball player. Like I'm not knocking that. But tossing an alley-oop, I could toss 100 alley-oops in a row to LeBron James right now. Like there's no skill involved in this. You know what I mean? Like if I mess that up... <laughs> I just suck. It's not. (laughs) And again, mid game, that's a whole different prospect. I'm not trying to say that there's no skill, but literally just the two of us walk out to a court and I've got a guy who can dunk every time. If I can't toss him an alley-oop, what are we doing? But I interrupted your train of thought with my Adam Sandler, Sandler uh, alley-oop rant there. No, I was just, uh, yeah, I was asking if you watched the other Netflix movie yet, Spiderhead with Miles Teller and, uh, Chris Hemsworth. No, I've, I've heard that's bad, though. I've heard it's not very good. I think the strike rate on Netflix movies is pretty low. I think it's just unfortunate. They're all watchable, but none of them are great. Good. I mean, they basically do the same. They all follow the same thing. It's like, it's an okay premise, and you've managed to get a couple big names involved. Yeah. But fundamentally, like, this should have been a straight-to-DVD kind yeah. of experience well, kind of but be- <laughs> yeah it basically is it's the new version but because you've got a big budget you're actually getting people involved who otherwise never would have been yeah. involved in this and that's the thing yeah so they make it slightly better than it is because they're such good actors but the overall it's still not that great i don't know don't know if i'm gonna call one of the hemsworth such hey, chris hemsworth's a good actor <laughs> okay we're not, we'll save that discussion for another okay. another time all right well i guess with that we'll wrap it up and Call it a day. Yeah, we'll get back into our usual rhythm, so listeners of the podcast won't have to wait another month for the next episode. But, yeah. yeah, especially my dad. was not happy. Got another <laughs> reminder yesterday.
<laughs> we got a few. I will say, and look, it's nice. It's a compliment. We got comments from quite a few people, including you know random people asking us. It's it's nice. I'd rather that than we just stopped releasing episodes and no one ever mentioned it. <laughs> that would be more <laughs> depressing. Uh, all right, I'll talk to you later. See you. Cheerio.